Welcome to Crosswords, the podcast about practical Christianity. What does it look like to walk in Jesus' footsteps? How do I live in a culture hostile to godliness? These are questions that we will answer as we get our minds and heart on Jesus. Welcome to the first episode of our summer season. The summer season of your life is when you feel vibrant, energetic, purposeful. You've gained some wisdom and therefore maturity. No longer are you so concerned about yourself or how you look or who will listen to you, but you know it is the Lord Jesus you want to glorify. Just like Trees grow tall and strong in the summer. You will find your strength as you walk in the footsteps of Jesus. Your leaf will be green and you will not wither as a tree planted by streams of water, as Psalm 1 says. Well, you will also face some challenges that will define you and your faith. Challenges are necessary for you to grow your roots deeper in Christ and not in the world and its ways. Summer is about being outside, enjoying the warmness of the sun, being active in your faith. It's about connecting and influencing, reaching and accomplishing. Many of you are in this phase of your Christian walk. Your lights are shining brightly at home, at work, in school, and in your community. Just like when Jesus was out there teaching and baptizing people, as John chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 says. It says, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. See, Jesus was teaching his disciples to fish. After all, he promised he was going to make them fishers of men. They were spreading the message of repentance and baptizing people for repentance of sins, not forgiveness, not yet. This was not a baptism into Jesus for forgiveness of sins because the gospel was not yet finished. Jesus had not yet died as a sacrifice for the atonement of sins. He had not yet been buried and raised in power, being declared the Son of God and anointed one of God. John 3.22 chimes in saying, After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. So Jesus' ministry was doing well, outgrowing the ministry John had started. And John was well pleased with that. He was not jealous about it. He knew it was not his ministry, but Jesus' ministry that had to grow. He echoed this sentiment in John chapter 3, verse 30, where he said, He must become greater and I must become less. This is the attitude that must reign in us for our ministry to have godly success, for us to fulfill the potential Jesus sees in us as his servants. So how can we gain success in ministry as Jesus did? Well, I'm going to go over an overview of Matthew chapter 5 all the way through 9 because these chapters in Matthew set out to establish the foundation of the success of Jesus' ministry. So I'm going to give you a slight overview of these chapters so we can understand the context of Jesus' success. Matthew chapter 5 through 7 
is otherwise known as the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5 lays the foundation of this theology, of Jesus' theology. Whereas Matthew chapter 6 talks about the practice of this theology. That foundation in Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, that's where he talks about the Beatitudes being salt and light. He talks about the heart of the law and he concludes that chapter by saying to love our enemies. In Matthew chapter 6, which is the practice of this theology, he speaks of giving, praying, fasting, the foundation of our Christian practice. He talks about investing in the spiritual, not in the material. He talks about not worrying, and he ends by saying, Seek the kingdom first, and everything else God will add on. Matthew chapter 7, the end of the Sermon of the Mount, talks about the impact that this Christian way of living ought to have on the world. It starts out by speaking about judging, how we need to judge rightly, boldly asking God and practicing the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. He speaks of discerning the tree by its fruit and ends that chapter by telling us to build our house on the rock, not on the sand. We spoke about Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, an overview of the Sermon of the Mount. And now let's finish talking or covering the gist of Matthew 8 and 9, because Matthew 5 through 9 really shows the foundation of the success of Jesus' ministry. So Matthew chapter 8 is all about healing. Jesus heals a leper. He heals the servant of the faithful centurion. He heals Peter's mother-in-law and many who were demon-possessed and all who were sick. Matthew eight seventeen summarizes this chapter saying, This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Jesus also spoke about the cost of following him in this chapter, and he calmed the storm while they were all in a boat, and then he healed two men who were demon-possessed. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus continues to heal. He heals a paralytic. He restores a girl to life. He heals a woman who was bleeding for 12 years. He heals two blind men, and ends the chapter by healing a mute person. So, in Matthew 9, verse 35 through 38, it kind of summarizes all of these chapters together. It summarizes this whole foundation from Matthew chapter 5 all the way through 9. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So in word and action, Jesus ushered in the kingdom of God, bringing the reality of God's rule and presence into the lives of those around him. 
This is what Jesus-style success looks like, and this is what you and I are called to emulate. He was focused. His desire was to please the Father. The good news, the gospel, was the most important thing he had to disclose to everyone. And it was disclosed with power. Notice how every disease, every sickness was healed. That's a message of power. Jesus never failed to heal a single person that came to him, either with a sickness or with a petition to heal someone they knew. That had never happened before and it has never happened since. This is because there is only one gospel message. Like Galatians 1, 6-9 says, Only one good news that is good and powerful in the world. That Jesus can take away your sin, which is what has made you spiritually sick and sometimes physically sick too. And because of that sin, we will die. We will be lost forever. But only in Him there is life. In what, in who, have you placed your hope? The apostle said in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Salvation is found in no one else, for there was no one, no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Now, what does that mean for us, this Jesus-style success? Well, to achieve this, not to mention in the life to come, you, like the 12 disciples, need to model your life on Jesus. Share in this vision. And this, this required a change of mind for them, a renewal of mind, as Romans chapter 12, verse 2 speaks of, followed by changed behaviors to mold ourselves after Jesus, as Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says. So we really need to wrap our heads around all these foundations that we spoke about from Matthew chapter 5 all the way through 9. It's good to read through that and see what Jesus set out to do and he, what, what he calls us to do as well. Because at the end of Matthew chapter 9, as we read before, uh, verse 35 through 38, Jesus calls us to partake in this work by calling us to follow him, to ask God, ask the Lord of harvest, because the fields are ripe for the harvest. In the next episode, we're going to examine what is Jesus' vision so that we can achieve Jesus-style success in our ministry. Mm -hmm.